Welcome to Game & Watch with Aaron and James, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. Um, I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we're talking about Resident Evil 4, a third-person survival horror game originally released for the GameCube in 2005 and should have never later been released on any other consoles when I was, uh, is how I felt when I was a diehard uh, Nintendo fan. Um, but it has since been released on many platforms, including, you know, Windows, Wii, iOS, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and soon to be VR for the Oculus Quest. Yeah, I heard there's a port coming to microwaves, so you can even play it on there. And TI-83 calculators. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, was it the director or the producer who claimed that if it ever came out on a system that wasn't a GameCube, he would cut off his own head? I think that, oh man, I think that was the director. Uh, but that was, it's, it's interesting that you say that because, I mean, this this game was produced by Capcom, is directed by Shinji Mikami, Mikami, who directed other games like the OG Resident Evil and its remake. Um, and later games um, that Capcom has been somewhat known for, like God Hand and the Evil Within. He also produced games like Devil May Cry, Resident Evil 2, other classic Capcom games. But yeah, he um, originally this was developed as kind of part of an agreement with Nintendo, I believe, where Capcom was going to create some exclusive games for Nintendo. I think almost all of which ended up on other consoles, I'm thinking particularly of Beautiful Joe, a game that I would absolutely love to do for this podcast uh, that I adored um, and have been looking for an excuse to revisit. But that that ended up pretty quickly on like PlayStation. I guess this did too. Um, I, I forget. There was like the Capcom 5, I think it was called. Yeah, it was going to be five games and it was supposed to kind of highlight the GameCube um, and to get people to kind of buy it based on these system exclusives that didn't really stay very exclusive. Um, although I will say at least Beautiful Joe, I don't know about RE4, but um, a lot of the ports to other systems, especially PlayStation 2 of those, um, are kind of considered inferior. The original yes. GameCube games are considered kind of uh, the masterpiece. I, I know that's one of them. And I think in some ways people consider this to be that, or at least it was for a time. I know that many people say that the Wii version is superior at least graphically, but I do think, and I played the Wii version a couple times. It makes the it breaks the game with how easy it is to aim using the 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 Wii mode. Um, whereas I think th- we'll talk more about this. That one of the the best and key aspects of this game is the focus on precision aiming and kind of giving you this sense of panic when you're backed into a corner with lots of enemies around you and having to kind of shoot your way out of it. And that the Wii makes it way too easy. Yeah, I agree. I've never played the Wii version, but I've seen gameplay footage um, and I can just imagine being able to point and aim um, would create a very different experience. Um, when we get to talking about specific gameplay things, yeah. I think the um, the steady pace to aiming and movement um, is one of the game's strengths. So I think completely rebalancing that and yes. um, kind of setting it uh, at a much faster pace doesn't do the game any favors. I mean, you know, the Wii version does still make you kind of start or, you know, turn and it has the same other controls. It just, once you're kind of, you find that spot in the corner of an area where you're going to hold up and shoot people, it makes it just easier to hit your targets. So there, it, it maintains that kind of sense of panic a little bit, but it just makes dispatching enemies easier. So you do lose some of that tension. But anyway, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, we're going to talk about the development of the game, and then we're going to kind of start by talking about the mechanics of the game um, before we get into the plot, because I think um, that that's, there 
extremely integral to the success of this game and its influence on other games. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So this was originally developed for the PlayStation 2 as early as 1999. It was a really long development process. And we, you know, there are four versions of this game, at least I think that existed that were all scrapped and we'll never see them. Um, except maybe, you know, whatever ended up becoming Devil May Cry, because this is a very action heavy game. And it had at one point even more action than we've gotten the final product. And some of those action heavy sequences and mechanics, I think, were essentially taken out of this game and used to create Devil May Cry. Um, the overall goal of this game, or at least at, the goal that it became at a certain point, was to reinvent the series. And I would say that they 100% succeeded. Um, again, this game came out for the GameCube originally. It came out later for PlayStation 2 and ported to other systems as well. And those other systems ended up adding features like new weapons, unlockable costumes, and even uh, a post-game mode called separate ways that the original GameCube version did not have. Correct. Um, and it was kind of one of the first, uh, not first, but like big wave of having different console exclusives kind of expanding and having additional content um, to warrant a purchase on a different console or to attract uh, buyers who had not played it originally. Yep. So you want to tell us about those four versions of the game we never got? Yeah, so you kind of mentioned one of them. Um, it's Devil May Cry. And the idea with that was to make it a more um, action-oriented game. Um, you can kind of see uh, some Resident Evil seeds in Devil May Cry. Um, the original version of the game, or maybe first two versions, had you exploring a European-style castle as Leon, um, which if you look at Devil May Cry 1, um, you know you were exploring a very creepy European-style castle. Yeah. Um, however, it got too kind of um, action-focused, um, but you can also see the DNA in that Devil May Cry has fixed camera angles, much like the first three Resident Evils, uh, for the final product would ultimately move away from that. But you can definitely kind of see the shared DNA there. Um, another version is the fog version, um, which, as I kind of mentioned, uh, saw Leon exploring a European themed castle, uh, which would have been umbrellas kind of main headquarters located in Europe. Um, it's kind of weird that in the final product umbrella is relegated to being written off kind of in the opening, yeah. uh, voiceover. Um, it kind of makes more sense with the thrust of the series to kind of focus on bringing Umbrella down. Um, but they obviously went in a different direction. This version of the game was uh, like almost half completed, um, but they decided not to go with it. Hmm. Um, then we have the Hookman version. I think that's kind of the one most people know about. I think there's more screenshots of that yeah. footage than any others. Um, so again, kind of the same idea for setting, um, you're in kind of like a dark, very bluish, um, castle. And what sets this one apart is that the enemies are more, um, supernatural than they are scientifically scary, like zombies or Las Plagas. Um, and the idea would be that, um, Leon is kind of, um, he's contracted this disease and the paranormal enemies may or may not actually be real, or they may be in his own head, um, which kind of carries over to another version, which is the hallucination version, um, which is kind of more of a concept. Um, and it's kind of uh, similar, 
but again, it's like him infiltrating a castle, um, trying to find uh, a young girl, which, you know, in later versions would become Ashley. Um, and again, it also got canceled. It didn't get nearly as completed as the Fog version or the Hookman version. Um, and from there, we got the final version, um, which, as I said, compared to the originals, compared to Devil May Cry, it moved away from um, a fixed camera um, to kind of a free-roaming camera. Um, it did increase uh, action elements. Um, I'm kind of getting into gameplay. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, those are kind of the things we almost got. Um, you can find various materials from kind of all of them if you Google them online. Um, the Hookman version, I believe there is uh, footage and audio and pictures from. Um, and that's kind of the one that I'm more interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read somewhere that the, uh, the reason they went with that direction is because Silent Hill uh, had become very popular and very successful. Yeah. And in Silent Hill, um, the enemies are explicitly kind of supernatural. Whereas in Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, um, they're horror movie, uh, you know, creatures. They're zombies yeah. and monsters. Um, but there's there's no ghosts. There's nothing supernatural. Um, so that's kind of what this would bring in. Yeah. I don't know if Capcom, with its kind of typical Resident Evil tone, could have handled the type of enemies or subject matter, I suppose, or that kind of thing that, that Konami brings to Silent Hill. Um, I, I think it'd be interesting as like a Gaiden game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, who knows? It's yeah. not what we got. Um, and uh, Resident Evil 8, uh, I have, it just came out. I have not played it, but it does look like it maybe might dabble in some kind of more traditionally supernatural horror kind of tropes. Yeah, it does kind of, I heard there's like vampires in it and maybe even werewolves, which is yeah. something that I'm, rolling my eyes at right now but you never know they, they might make it work i'm sure i will inevitably play it yeah no i'm i'm definitely gonna play it i think um i, I mean after six i think they could pretty much do whatever they want yeah in terms of ridiculousness and it would be fine so. yeah so this game was really well received extremely well received um and it's kind of endured as well i mean it hasn't you know, it came out in the new century, but it's, you know, it's really stood the test of time. Uh, you know, people really praised its weapon variety, its setting, and all of its innovations, which we'll go into. Um, its ability to kind of create tension and its action sequences. And it's very often considered one of the best and most influential games, at least of, of the 2000s. Um, it led to numerous games you know the, the it kind of gave producers more of like the courage to do that sort of over the shoulder third person perspective and we almost got too many of those games afterwards yeah and it came out in 2005 um yeah. so it's kind of approaching being 20 years old which is crazy that is insane. um even the original gamecube uh version does not look like a game that came out 20 years ago yeah even at the time I'm glad you brought that up it looked fantastic um, and, you know, it's gotten a little bit of a polish. So I, I don't I haven't watched GameCube footage recently, but I do remember seeing it like a couple years ago and thinking that it still looks really great, even though I'd still rather play kind of like the polished versions. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the game really holds up in more ways than one. Um, do, should we kind of talk about our experience with it really quick before we get into kind of the mechanics of it? Uh, yeah. Um, so I first played it, uh, when I came out, um, in 2005, 
Uh, I bought a GameCube and pretty much had like four games for it. I had Wind Waker. I had Super Smash Brothers Melee. Um, I can't even really remember what games I like bought to play on it. I bought the uh, Game Boy Advance player and I played Pokemon on it um, on the nice. TV screen. Uh, and I remember not buying this game, but um, renting it or asking my brother to rent it multiple times. Um, and that's how I first played it and beat it. Uh, not in one rental, but across, you know, several across several months. And then I played the PS2 port in college as well. Okay. Um, and I think I played that one maybe multiple times. Um, but I played the game to completion probably three times. Um, and I loved it originally. Um, I had tried to play RE 1, 2, and 3 because my brothers were very big fans when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, the, the gameplay was just too kind of foreign to me. The tank controls, uh, as a younger kid, I didn't really understand. Um, it just felt very slow and plotting to me. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I went back uh, and played those games um, and enjoyed them. Um, when I kind of had a better grip on them, but this was probably the first, this was the first Resident Evil uh, I played from beginning to end, um, which I think is true of probably a lot of people. Um, I loved it. And um, I think it, especially when I first played it when I was what, you know, 13, 14, maybe 15. Yeah. Um, the, the tone where it kind of blends uh, this truly genuine horror with kind of this ridiculous over the top uh, action and kind of goofiness, uh, I think hit me at that age um, really well. Um, I think I was probably like the target audience. Same. I think now looking back on it, um, some parts are like a little ridiculous and silly. Um, but I think at that time, especially because, um, you know, there, there weren't, the market wasn't as flooded with this kind of thing as it is now. Um, this was really fresh. This was really new and original. And I remember being uh, kind of blown away by it. I agree with everything you said, um, especially you know, my reaction to it. And I agree, I was probably a target audience as well. I mean, I was very similarly uh, receptive to it. Now, I, I guess the only difference I would really highlight is that for me, I, I played it when it came out. Um, I loved it as a video game. And I didn't love it as a Resident Evil game. And I was really in no position to say that because by then I had only played the original, which I played on DS uh, and didn't play it on the original PlayStation. And I had played the original, re the remake of the original that came out for GameCube. And I had kind of seen, like watched my friends play through Resident Evil 2 and 3. And so I was familiar with the story and very excited to see what would happen next. And kind of as... I played the game. I was in love with so much of it, but just at the time, not thrilled with how little umbrella was involved. I got kind of kept waiting for them to be involved. And by the time, you know, you even get like hints of it. Um, I kind of was over it I, and not over the game. I was just kind of, I got over the fact that I was upset about the ties to the greater story. And, you know, I mean, I love the game and I, and I, I, right now I don't care at all. You know, my, that opinion has changed. I, I don't mind at all that it, it's not as related to umbrella though. They did kind of do a little bit of, I don't know if you want to call it retconning, but they, they kind of you found out like, you know, Wesker was involved in more ways, but I think ultimately when resident evil five came out, 
and was very much more tied to umbrella and such. And then basically, but it still kind of just like took what I loved about the story out back behind the shed and shot it. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I stopped giving a shit about the resident evil story um, just because of how ridiculous the ending of five was. Uh, and then I hear sixes. I have not played six. I played seven, but not six. And I hear sixes bananas. And if you were, if you were still hanging on after resident evil five to the, like wanting the story to develop and, you know, you can't wait to see how the story progresses. And I hear that six just kind of lost a lot of people. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where um, you want to follow the story when you're, you know, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Uh, now looking back as an adult it's like the story is such an afterthought and kind of every resident evil has um in my mind uh the first third is kind of always the most interesting story-wise i agree and then it kind of devolves into like okay we're in a lab okay there's umbrella and it kind of all gets really samey um i think resident evil like a stephen king novel um, most of them have really strong setups and really strong characters at the beginning. And then they kind of fumble the ending or maybe not even fumble, but um, the ending is just usually not as engaging as the beginning. Yeah. And I, I was going to make a comment and I, I haven't thought through all of the games I've played just yet, but I was going to make a comment and I'll just make it now that I think that overall, I, the Resident Evil games that I played, I believe I enjoy the first act the most and the third act, I mean, there's often like really three acts in these games. And this one in particular is I'll kind of, when we go into the plot, like I kind of broke it down into three acts, but I, the second act is usually the one I like the least. And then I, the ending, it, it depends though. There's, there's exceptions like the original resident evil. I, I, I enjoy pretty much the entire game, especially the remake. Um, but yeah, I mean the first it's, it's these games start off really strong. Um, which is something I didn't really think about until revisiting this game for, I don't know, must have been like my 10th time. So it's exciting. I, 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 this series is a series that I very much love uh, and love to hate because <laughs> it, it's so stupid at times. I mean, it, it owns that. Like it's not, and I think as a kid, when I was kind of craving, I, I needed like a horror fix. I think I wanted this series to take itself more seriously than it intended to. And I wanted to take it more seriously. And so like the campy dialogue was stuff that I just tried to ignore. And obviously now I don't care, but I think as a kid, I wanted it to be more serious than it, that had any intention of being. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, And I think kind of um, we've talked a little bit about this before, but when you're younger, um, anything that takes itself halfway seriously, you kind of just naturally assume is good. Yes. Um, and like, as like you, event horizon, <laughs> like event horizon, just like that. Um, look at, listen to our old episode about event horizon, but anything that takes itself very seriously when you're young, you kind of assume that it must be good. Yep. And so there is a part of resident evil, these series, all of these games that it does take itself uh, seriously, but then and I mean, I would say this one definitely starts out that way. Very much but, so. But then throughout the gameplay, then you're being chased by like a giant yeah. uh, stone well, mech. It, it, yeah, and it does take itself seriously, but it does sprinkle in these ridiculous moments that I appreciate more as I get older. I didn't appreciate it as much back then. I kind of almost ignored it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of like the shitty dialogue, uh, the, the, the B-movie or... C movie dialogue. 
where is everyone playing bingo? Yeah, right. So, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the uh, start off the conversation about the mechanics of the game? Yeah. Um, so we kind of touched on this uh, earlier, but this moved away uh, from the fixed camera angle uh, Resident Evil games, one, two and three that had come before. Um, this is a third person behind the shoulder um, kind of shooter game. Um, whereas in old Resident Evils, because of the fixed camera angle, um, aiming was kind of automatic. Um, and there were a lot more encounters um, in tight spaces, down hallways, things like that. Um, this game kind of throws that all out the window. And a lot of the encounters happen in big open spaces yeah. um, where you were kind of making choices about where to hide and who to kind of pick off and assault. Um, and it creates a lot more freedom in terms of gameplay choices, uh, which is really fun. And one of the reasons why I think this game is extremely replayable. Yep. Um, it's less focused on like puzzle solving, although the puzzles are still pretty rudimentary. Um, I almost, I was thinking about this today as I was kind of thinking about the series. Um, Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, 1 especially, um, almost feel like you are looking inside a dollhouse and you are playing with the dolls. Um, at I least like that's that. what the like fixed cameras really yeah. make you think of. Um, and this is um, like instead of a dollhouse, you're um, you're like at the park. Like you you have anywhere to go. Um, it's very open. Um, I'm trying to think of what else gameplay wise QTs. Yeah. QTs. (laughs) Yeah. For better or worse. Um, so you kind of always had to be engaged during cutscenes, um, during pretty much everything because QTEs, quick time events could pop in. It could be something like some villagers, um, like pushing a stone that you have to like run after. It could be, um, like a character, like pulling a knife on you or trying to attack you kind of suddenly, um, and you have to be ready to kind of input these these button inputs. Um, I think they're fairly forgiving. Um, yeah. I think it's kind of an imperfect way to keep you paying attention um, at all times. I don't love them. Um, yeah, I don't either. But I, I none of them ever killed me uh, that I can remember off the top of my head. I, I died at in quick time events all the time and i didn't used to i remember when i first played this game i remember like died a couple times and then i really got the hang of it and lately and i think it's maybe because i'm just mashing or not mashing or like i'm distracted like if i'm playing switch and i'm watching tv i played this the most recent time i played it on switch and i i, I don't know i i've been dying a lot and i think that in some of these qte sequences i, I find them annoying i think it's one of the weakest parts of the game there are ones that i like um i don't like running away from boulders i do like a extended um, dialogue heavy fight sequence with krauser uh with qts i find that to be really engaging um yeah yeah it's hard to say like which would be um which would be better just having the cutscene play with no input from you or getting this kind of input, but risking like dying or having to do it over. Um, I think what would be kind of fun is if they were more almost choose your own adventures uh, where you got different possible inputs um, and they resulted in different possible outcomes to cutscenes. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, yeah. A wish, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, they're fine. I don't hate them. And then the other thing I can think of, um, but well, before I mentioned, I just, I wanted to just say like, I, I do, 
The control scheme seems very carefully thought out. And that's not to imply that other games or other Resident Evil games don't think about that. But I think that the way, like what you have to do, you have to like, like having to stand still and like hit certain buttons to like pull out your weapon and like having to go into the menu to switch items. I mean, I guess they could, if they had made it so you can switch items in the middle of the game, which is one of the very small criticisms I have, which I'll talk about more. Um, I think it would add a little bit more panic, but it seems like it was very carefully considered to create that sort of panic. Um, And I guess the only other mechanic I was going to mention was if you could call it a mechanic, which is the inventory system, which I think is actually, despite the thing I just, I just said, you know, I, I criticize the fact having to go back and forth between your inventory and such. I do really like the inventory system in this game. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes no sense uh, because you kind of just have to assume that Leon has this, Um, giant suitcase kind of in his pocket at any given time yeah. because it makes you consider uh, like the physical space of the suitcase, but also, which is realistic, but then in no way tries to explain where on Leon's person, this thing could possibly be. Yeah. Um, I guess the, yeah, it's up his butt. Um, I guess the other thing to talk about with the controls, uh, we kind of mentioned it with um, the fact that this is now third person. Uh, is the aiming and the movement mechanics. Um, This is still tank controlled uh, like the first three were in that you can't kind of move fully uh, like you would in say Mario 64. Um, You kind of move like a tank, you kind of back up, you have to kind of turn and aim yourself before you travel in any one direction, um, which gives your movement kind of a heavy considered feeling. Uh, Additionally, your aim, um, I don't know if they increase the speed of your aim um, between Resident Evil 4 and 5. I think they probably did. I think they did. It's pretty slow in 4. Yeah, it's slow in 4, and that was kind of frustrating a little bit at the beginning, um, but I quickly got used to it, and I realized that they very, very purposely, uh, like you said, they considered everything. Yeah. You are meant uh, to move and to aim this slowly. Um, it is balanced out by the fact that a lot of enemies also moving in very slow considered ways mm-hmm. um, which gives combat uh, kind of a more tactical feel than especially five five felt very frenetic to me um, you're doing a lot of kicks you're doing a lot of like slashes things are going very fast um, whereas coming to re- revisit four um, it felt more satisfying because yeah. it felt like you had more time in any given encounter to kind of think your way through it rather than just shoot or mash buttons through it yeah, I think we become spoiled by this since this game came out. But at the time, I thought it was incredible how much freedom you had. It felt like you had a lot of different options of ways to get out of a situation. And I don't mean that just by, you know, where you decide to like in a hold up, you know, moving from building to building or from one side of the room to the other, um, taking cover and such. But I, I, just the fact that you can choose where you're aiming, like you can you can kneecap these guys and they'll fall down and you can knife them to save bullets and the knife is actually pretty powerful in this game compared to others. And, you know, you can, you know, shoot them and you can just aim for headshots all the time, which I know as a kid is what I usually did. I do it a lot now. Um, but you know, you, you have a lot of options for how you want to take down enemies and, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot to say about precision aiming, not just in, you know, shooting someone's head, you know, enemies will throw, knives at you and you can shoot them out of the air enemies will throw dynamite you can shoot that when it's in their hand and it'll blow them up and maybe blow up some other people i mean there's 
it's still it holds up really well, even though it's been done since, and it and it adds to the replayability of the game. Well, and too, very importantly, um, you can kick, um, yeah, which creates space. Um, so again, space kind of equals um, like planning time, right? right. So the, the space between a zombie, a Las Pagas, a creature, and you, um, as they're creeping up, that is you having the opportunity to kind of figure out what you want to do with them, how you're going to take them out. Um, and so kicking, especially in groups, uh, to give yourself that space equals giving yourself more time to kind of plan and strategize. Yeah. I mean, very often you'll shoot somebody, get them in that kind of like reeling state that you can trigger the the kick, kick all the enemies away, back up a little bit, reload your gun and repeat. Yes. Um, That's pretty much it for new gameplay stuff. Yeah. Um, What shall we talk about next? Yeah, let's let's get into the plot. I mean, you know, we've got a character list. I feel like the only two characters really worth mentioning off the top we can kind of mention the rest as we go um is leon s kennedy the hero from resident evil 2 survivor survivor of the raccoon city um outbreak he was a cop for a day yeah um he is he has shitty dialogue he's really bad at banter with villains or really anybody i would imagine he's a terrible conversationist um and then, yeah, and he's sent to rescue uh, Ashley, who is the president's daughter, who you meet uh, a little bit later in the game. And I guess the other one I'll mention off the top of my head is Ingrid Huntington, who is his kind of his contact um, that he speaks to for a lot of the game, not all the game, um, and who he definitely hits on at the beginning of the game, which is pretty early to um, kind of take you right out of the game. And even as a kid, I was like, this is weird. And it's a little uncomfortable now, too. Yeah, it has like Metal Gear Solid two kind of vibes. Yeah, um, with like the, the yeah the chit chat between them. Um, also, when the game begins, um, it's kind of funny because uh, they explicitly mention they're like, you know, Ashley Graham, the president's daughter, uh, and it's like, yeah, Leon was hired to protect her. I think he knows her name, um, but sure. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> how much on duty he, or how long he was on duty before she got kidnapped. Probably his first day. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. He's given basically no backup. He is sent to uh, this tiny village in what is presumably Spain yeah. um, to go rescue her. Um, like you said, Huntington is his backup. Ashley gets a lot of shit uh, for being kind of a character you have to protect uh, during this game. I found replaying it this time. I didn't replay it to completion, but uh, she did not bother me as much uh, as yeah. people say. Um, I think as a character, she's fine. Um, I don't find her to be annoying really. Um, and I, yeah, I just generally think she gets a bad rap. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll say, so if you made it through, you know, about two thirds of the game, then I think you got through the most annoying Ashley parts, which I think are in act two of the game. And I will say that she was particularly annoying in my case. But before we go into the plot, I'll just mention off, off the top. So I, I played the game last year. I beat it. And I played separate ways because I wanted to unlock the weapon, the Chicago typewriter, which is like an old Tom, like a Tommy gun with unlimited ammo and just unstoppable power. I just kind of wanted to use that to fly through the game for our replay this time. I did not finish it this time. I made it 
to the last chapter of the game. I was probably maybe, you know, three hours away from being the game. Um, but the reason Ashley was annoying to me is because I picked one of the alternate costumes where I was a, I was wearing like a gangster's outfit and she's wearing a suit of armor. And so yeah. anytime that she walks around, yeah. she clomps and it's extremely annoying. I played some of it with the volume off. Um, but it makes her hard to be carried away. Is I think impossible. I don't think she can. Yeah, impossible. Yeah. And you, you can also yeah. just, she can't be hurt in any way. Um, it's, it's nice. It's just annoying when she's clomping around behind you. I look forward to the times where I could get rid of her. There's really only one sequence in the game where you play, I think just as her and you're have, you know, it, it's, it's just long enough where it's not annoying. And I think they did a really good job of not making it too long. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think people really point to her. I think she's become almost like a meme. Um, but when yeah. you actually go back and kind of examine uh, the game, I, I don't think she's that bad. Yeah, um, I, I think I think maybe what could be frustrating is if you were playing this game for the first time and you kind of wanted, wanted to get to the end and see what happens, um, having to escort her may feel frustrating or mm -hmm. like it slows the game down. Um, but having played the game before... Um, it doesn't really bother me, but, um, yeah, yeah. So plot wise, we are in this village, uh, and everyone is really nice to Leon, right? Yeah. Hey, everyone's super nice and welcoming. Um, yeah, no, the, the, should we talk about what Las Plagas is now? I mean, we, yeah, we, yeah. we learn a lot about what these things are as we go through the game, but I think it's probably helpful to talk about some of them up front rather than kind of talk about it. What, when Leon, the character finds out about it, um, so from what my understanding is, and it's funny because I don't know if I fully had this understanding or I fully grasped it or if I forgot or just didn't care over time, but Las Plagas is a virus, I guess, that has existed for a really long time, like centuries old. And it was discovered in Europe a long time, a time ago by a cult called the Los Illuminados, butchered that. Um, and there was this royal or very rich family called the Salazars that sealed it away underground. Um, later, the main villain of this game, Osmond Sadler, showed up and kind of learned about its power and convinced Ramon Salazar, kind of a young idiot of the Salazar family, to unseal it. And Sadler was then able to use spores that were left from centuries to redevelop the, the virus. And he started using it to control all the locals in this area of Spain. Yeah, and that's kind of the confusing part. Like, it's described as, like, a spore, but yeah. it's also kind of like a parasite, or is it a virus? Um, it, it, it's kind of nebulous in that way. Um, I always kind of saw it more as, like, a parasite. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the broad strokes. Yeah, I mean, I guess the major takeaway for me as a kid was very clearly not related to the T-virus. I kept waiting for it to be related right. to the T-virus, right. and it wasn't. Um, but it is still desired by um, by Wesker, by, uh, yeah. you know, those umbrella types. Yeah. Um, I, found it, I did find it nice to find out that, you know, eventually in the story that Wesker was also seeking this. Um, and you know, the presence of another character that we'll talk about, uh, made that a little more obvious, but anyway, so you're kind of making your way through kind of the village portion of the game, which is really what I would call act one. Um, there's that very first encounter with, you know, uh, someone who's very much not a zombie, but also attacked you, uh, and doesn't quite seem totally human. Um, 
the your escorts, which I think are just kind of two Italian, uh, not Italian, Spanish police officers end up um, their car driven off the cliff and they die. Um, and Leon makes his way to kind of the village center. Um, and this sequence is one. I mean, I think there's a couple notable sequences we should talk about. Otherwise, I think we're going to kind of fly a little bit faster through the plot. This is one of the most notable and sequences. I mean, it was the one that was shown, I think, at E3 in the, the original demo um, when the game was in development. And it's just, it's an iconic situation. It's really the first time the game throws you into a big open area and gives you a lot of different ways to navigate it. And they also give you an insta-kill enemy, the chainsaw guy. Yeah, yes. So uh, you're kind of trapped in this village. It's got, you know, four or five houses. It has, you know, uh, like pens and stables for animals. Um, You can go in the houses. You can break boxes to find things like ammo or herbs or food. Um, And it kind of introduces you to the idea that these kind of set piece encounters with a lot of villagers or Las Plagas or whatever it is you may be up against, um, you kind of have a lot of freedom in choosing how you would like to approach that. Yeah. Do you want to stand in the village square uh, or, you know, not square, but by the well, kind of in the middle. And then do you just kind of want to gun people down? You know, that's going to be tricky because they're going to sneak up on you. Um, do you want to go hide somewhere and kind of pop people in the knees and, you know, have them trip and drop over each other? Um, you know, do you want to sneak into an animal pen and eat an egg randomly to get some health back? Yeah. Um, you, you kind of have full freedom to, uh, approach the encounter in whatever way you would like. Yeah. And I remember dying at this part so many times when I first played this game, it was overwhelming, but in a very exciting way, the kind of like challenge that beats you over the head, but makes you want to, um, makes you want to conquer it. Yeah. There's, there's kind of a, not cheap, but um, there's kind of a way where if you get a bunch of enemies kind of in a row, like in a line coming at you, yep. um, if you have the space to kind of run in a big circle around the area, uh, that kind of basically buys you the time you need. Mm-hmm. Um, if you kind of let them surround you, then you're in trouble. Um, but if you can kind of get them all in one line following you, uh, you're usually okay. Yeah, I've kind of done it the same way almost every time I play this game for like almost 20 years. I yeah. kind of, I won't talk about the route, but I have a route and I kind of back into a room and I just let everyone come to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of Leon keeps exploring the village and he eventually runs into this man named Lewis. Um, Luis. Actually, uh, Luis. Oh my gosh, I did it. Lewis. I told myself I wasn't going to do it because I was going to make fun of Leon for doing it. But anyway, actually, Leon is first captured and injected with Las Plagas. And he wakes up tied to a man named Luis, who Leon calls Luis half the time and also calls him Lewis. Never really bothers to like pronounce his name the correct way, um, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Lewis tells Leon that he is a police officer. We've later find out that that is not true. Yes. Um, but that's where Leon kind of goes, yeah, well, so was I for a day. <laughs> and I'd be like, listen, if I was anything for a day, I probably wouldn't bring it up. I wouldn't count and it. I, yeah, I wouldn't count it. I get it. Like the umbrella raccoon city incident, kind of big deal. It's kind of like this world's nine 11 times 10, but still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you eventually find out that Lewis is actually a researcher, uh, that was hired by Sadler to help kind of turn those 
fossilized spores, I guess, into Las Plagas. So he's feeling a lot of guilt and a lot of the times that he's helping you, unbeknownst to you, is kind of out of guilt to try to help fix this situation. So, yeah. Um, eventually, uh, pretty soon after this, you run into the kind of, I guess, the village chief. I don't know how else to think of him. His name is Batoris like Mendez. The, yeah, like the mayor. Um, he looks yeah. like Rasputin. He does. He looks exactly like Rasputin. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, he's a fun boss fight that you, you know, get to eventually. Um, but yeah, no, he's just this big hulking, like eight foot tall guy with, you know, superhuman strength. A lot of people with superhuman strength. Uh, also one in a long line of people that kind of just like leave Leon either for dead or just leave him alone Yeah, uh, and let him live, uh, which not smart. It, it's very odd. Like there, there's many enemies in this game who can't really decide whether or not, including Sadler himself, whether they want to kill Leon or just let him suffer and turn in. Like it's really funny yeah. how one instance they're, they're, they're threatening to kill him and setting up traps for him. And other times that you get him in a cut scene and the enemy's just laughing at you like, ha do whatever you want. I don't care. You're going to turn into one of us soon. Well, and that's the part too, that kind of makes no sense. Uh, I mean, it does. Cause this is kind of a schlocky, like B movie type plot. Um, but part of their possible plan uh, is to just kind of let, well, part of their explicit plan is to let Ashley be infected and get rescued and, you know, the Las Plagas will emerge from her and kind of infect other people. Um, but they just tell them that, which kind of ruins the entire plan, really. Uh, so, yeah, they let Leon live. They tell them at multiple points their explicit plan. Yeah, uh, it, It's very silly. Um, again, like I think the initial setup, you are looking for the president's kidnapped daughter. These villagers are acting terrifying and hostile and strange. I think that setup is incredible. I think the atmosphere at the beginning is incredible. Yeah. I think as the game goes on and as more plot things come up, it gets sillier and sillier. And then the scale kind of tips and we're into full on like ridiculous mode, yep. which is also fun. It is um, very fun. There's like this weird middle where you're like, okay, but if you're trying to be a serious plot, this is not the way to do it. Yeah, both both this game and Resident Evil 5 have that same problem. And Resident Evil 5, uh, well, this game is much less racist than what Resident Evil 5 is, which is good. Yeah. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's always good. It's always good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, Leon um, gets like kind of grabbed by Mendez and he gets, sh- uh, Mendez gets shot by this woman in a red dress that we can't fully see outside the window. And we later find out it's Ada Wong from Resident Evil 2, a old acquaintance uh, with Leon. Uh, they have no sexual chemistry because it's shitty dialogue. <laughs> um, yeah. She is kind of a series staple at this point. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, wearing that long red dress um, that long red dress that infeasible yeah it's really baffling that that's like her work uniform yeah um we also meet the merchant here um he's less important story-wise than he is kind of gameplay wise um he is as his name would suggest your merchant um and what's kind of cool about this game uh and actually most resident evil games is uh, you can buy new guns from him, but you can also upgrade them. Yeah. Uh, and even through the, till the end of the game, um, like every weapon is kind of viable. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a really interesting way. A lot of them have, you know, very specific things that they're better at than other weapons, but yep. uh, it never really feels like a waste to invest the money into um, upgrading a given weapon. 
Yeah, I would say the two weapons that I have played with the least would be the TMP and the Mind Thrower. Um, I always get, you know, like you know, the Broken Butterfly, the, the basically the six shooter because it's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're all they're all viable, which is fun. Um, they're I, don't, I feel like not a lot of video games can make all their weapons viable. You know, you yeah. got this Bloodborne, and that's it. End of list. Yeah, no more. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny you say that, though, because I think that's the other interesting thing about this game, because I have used the TMP almost every time. Um, I, I had a feeling I, I not, you know, this is not nothing about you specifically would tell me this, but I would just had a feeling that this was that because this was that kind of game that you can play differently, that it was just going to happen to be the case where I play one way and you play one way. Yeah, but that's I mean, that's part of what makes it really cool yeah, um, I love because, it. yeah, because each of the weapons, as you said, is uh, versatile and useful um, and lend themselves to different playing styles like. I like weapons that are more rapid fire uh, that kind of hit because uh, my aim is generally terrible. So I would rather, you know, invest in like maybe seven bullets and a burst hitting an enemy than yeah. one that I miss. Um, but yeah, I think, I think overall this touches onto gameplay again, but uh, the gameplay is very, very, very good, very replayable, very well thought out, very well considered. Absolutely. So yeah, Leon eventually makes his way to a lake where he you kind of have your first real boss fight against Delago, which is some creature that was mutated by Plagas, presumably that lives at the bottom of a lake, and it's yeah, a and I, boss fight. I think uh, you like read a note about him before yeah. you ever see him. Yeah, so. I did not read notes at my most recent playthrough, or I mostly didn't. Um, so I might have missed a little bit of the nuances that I might have been once f- familiar with. Yeah, and I think one of the criticisms of Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, which I think is kind of fair, is that the boss fights um, are kind of boring uh, in that um, at least uh, the original like 1, 2, and 3 for you know PlayStation yeah. and that you're, you're kind of just emptying clips into them until they die. Yes. And then it's a, it's a war of attrition, right? So right. you're using your potions and your herbs to heal. You're emptying clips into them, grenades, shotguns, all of that um, until they kind of drop. This game begins the trend of boss fights being um, not that. Um, yeah. <laughs> some of them become something similar to that. Um, but especially with Del Lago, I think it was very intentional to show, hey, this is a new direction for the series. This boss fight is going to look extremely different than kind of anything that's come before. Yeah. So if you beat... Uh, Del Lago, Leon kind of collapses in a nearby house, has a little bit of a nightmare, kind of visions of being injected with the Plagas. And I mean, the, the, the game sort of tries to start showing him being becoming possessed by the Plagas, more so near the end. Um, it's really only just talked about uh, initially. You eventually start seeing some signs of it. But yeah, so he ends up, this is a sequence where you kind of experience one of the m- major enemy variants of the game which is kind of the i i call it the head bursting plagas which is up to that point enemies kind of go down when you kill them even if you like shoot their head off and such some enemies though uh if you shoot their head off they keep walking towards you and then something comes out of that neck hole and i think it does it was terrifying when i first saw it and i still think it works super well Uh, it's a great way to do an enemy variant and sometimes if those enemies get too close to you that creature that is burst out of them, or I guess the creature is them, can sometimes one-shot you. A lot of cool depth animations in this game, I should add. 
Yeah, the, uh, so those enemies, um, they kind of have these like whip cord arms to them with blades on them. Yeah. Um, we'll see different Plagas forms uh, generally kind of are tentacly, but also grow these like organic blade forms um, yeah. for a lot of them. Some are like bug-like, some have like a yeah. mouth of their yeah. own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it complicates things. And I think a, a thing this game does very well, again, gameplay wise, is uh, kind of the more you play the game, you know, at this point, you've gotten pretty good at being able to, you know, kneecap, knife, uh, and headshot, you know, normal villagers that Los Ganados. Um, and this kind of adds a wrinkle. And then as the game goes further and further, you know, it's going to add more and more and more wrinkles. We'll yeah. have guys with shields. We'll have, you know, faster moving kind of more monster like enemies. Um, I think it does a really good job of slowly ratcheting up uh, the difficulty of kind of the rank and file enemies. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we fight a big old boss. Yeah. Big old troll that you can get a little bit of help from a, a dog that will distract them if you choose to uh, save the dog from the bear trap or right, right at the very beginning of the game, which why wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, also this guy, big, like, Lord of the Rings troll energy. Super <laughs> Lord of the Rings troll enemy, like, yeah. directly like Lord of the Rings troll. Yeah. Um, so you kind of shoot at it until the Plagas pops out of its head. Uh, from there, you can either pop it uh, with shots, or you can do kind of a little QTE yep. uh, to jump on it and stab and damage it directly. Or you could pull out your Chicago typewriter and just shoot at it and kill it in like five seconds. <laughs> I suppose uh, you could also do that. Yeah. Um, from here, you finally find Ashley. Uh, you yeah. try and escape with her. Um, you wind up in this cabin uh, with her and Luis. Yep. Um, and you have to do this whole cabin defense section. Pretty fun. Um, yeah. And it's something they do in five multiple times. Yeah. In this game, this is kind of the, like, it's kind of a set piece moment, but it's kind of like one of the few times it does this. Um, yeah. I wish it did it a little bit more. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And you know, from there, uh, you kind of keep making your way through like sort of the outskirts of the village and you eventually fight Mendez, uh, in a pretty cool boss sequence, good cutscene, um, kind of good. Like it's, you essentially are fighting like in a burning barn, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's again, like very atmospheric. Um, I would like to go back. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't sure. No, I was just going to say I would like to go back and uh, like look at actual GameCube gameplay footage. Oh, oh. Um, because on PS4, like this whole game looks amazing, but uh, like I, I would just like to see that whole set piece with the burning barn and kind of the shadows and the light on the original GameCube. Because um, I don't know what it was about the GameCube, uh, but Wind Waker, this game, they just they hold up gra like Super Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, they just hold up so 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 well. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know what it is about like the you know the actual hardware hardware uh, that might be the reason, but yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a fun boss fight. Um, Very tell cool. us a little bit about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, really, you just are kind of unloading into him as he's kind of slowly walking his way towards you. And then eventually his top half rips off basically <laughs> and grows yeah. legs. And then he starts sure swinging, swinging from the rafters and it kind of becomes, and this is something that they kind of replicate in other Resident Evil games, including Resident Evil 7. It becomes like a, kind of like a two level boss fight. You can kind of climb up you know, but nowhere is safe, right? You could be on the, you know, the top floor of the barn and he'll kind of swing from the rafters and attack you. 
um, or he could be on the ground floor running around. Yeah, and the look of it, um, it reminded me of the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got same vibes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as usual, you kill it by unloading your Chicago typewriter into it. Okay, well, if you have, <laughs> maybe you did. Uh, but yeah, so he, we defeat him, uh, yeah. and we kind of move on to. Uh, you have it labeled as act two. I would say that's fair. Yeah. I would say you could also divide this game by kind of the environments. Um, and they're yeah, that's of, true. There are kind of like three big main environments. So we move away from kind of the, the village to um, a castle. Yeah. And this is my least favorite. If you had to put them in like three acts or three parts, or three environments, this is my least favorite. Um, it's something that I've talked myself out of time and time again, but it, it's true. Uh, I think that the game, I think I got, I get tired of the environment, which is interesting because the, the village is very similar and very samey um, in how it looks, but maybe it's just because it's the front the beginning of the game and I'm excited and it's fresh. Um, but this, uh, granted, it, I still love the game. I still think this is like, it's good material, but I just find the castle to be, I just want to get through the castle so I can get to act three. Yeah, it feels uh, a little more claustrophobic. Um, like in the village section, uh, there's especially one part um, when you're traveling between areas where you're kind of on this wooden scaffolding that's suspended uh, against the side of a cliff over the ocean. Um, and they're just like really big, beautiful expanses like that. Yeah. Uh, and the castle feels, you know, smaller, tighter, uh, yeah, a little bit samey. Yeah, and it, it gets a, a lot more... I mean, maybe not a lot. It just seems a little bit more like action focused and it gets, that's where the game kind of gets a little sillier. I don't think there's really anything too terrifying about the castle part. And I think the, the act three is like that too, but I think by the time I get to act three, I'm kind of just in it for the ride. And I, I that kind of, that the, the, whatever effect the castle had on me kind of wears off and I'm just kind of ready to just blow shit up all throughout the, the, the last island of the game. Yeah, well, I think the difference between the castle and the last island is I think any time in one of these games where you get to um, kind of like a research facility type uh, area, um, my I don't know what it is, but my interest immediately spikes again. I totally um, agree. Because I, I think that means, you know, we're going to see even crazier creatures and, you know, things like that. Whereas uh, the castle, yeah, you... You don't really know what to expect, but you also know this is the middle of the game. It's a Resident Evil game, so you know there's going to be like a big lab right. sequence at the end. Um, and in all these games, that's, again, like I said, kind of where my excitement kind of spikes again. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it, they do it really well in this game. We'll get into that. Um, so, yeah, this is Ramon Salazar's castle, uh, the, the Salazar royalty. And, you know, um, right at the kind of the beginning of the of the first chapter of the castle sequence, Leon and Ashley start having convulsions. They're kind of coughing up blood. Uh, Lewis kind of warns them that oh, I did it again. Louise. Hi, Louis. Oh, man. Uh, I'm ashamed. Full of shame. Um, Louise kind of tells them that they're, you know, Plagas are advancing and they don't have much time. So he goes to try to find something to help them. Um, we very quickly then meet. Ramon Salazar, who is a, again, he's royalty. He's like a 20 year old who looks like a four foot tall, 60 year old. And he's got two uh, bodyguards that are these very obviously dangerous looking creatures. Um, yeah. He's like this Benjamin Buttony, like creepy, weird, like Napoleon guy. Yeah. 
Um, he he also straddles that line from like creepy, dangerous to ridiculous. More often ridiculous, especially with I, some stuff. I later. think from the very moment you hear this, like me, Static Kennedy. Like from that <laughs> moment, I was just even as a kid, I was like, I this is this. I'm not taking this guy seriously at all. Yeah, but I there's something about like an evil child that you know, like the Omen and like or evil child looking thing um i think there is enough there to make him a little bit creepy he is very silly um but i i think there's like if you played this with all the lights off you know on a friday night in a certain mood you he could creep you out yeah i mean if you were on just you know an absurd amount of mushrooms or something then i think maybe yeah i mean how do you play these games (laughs) that's sober um (laughs) but yeah so you know the enemies you're fighting in this are really just cultists they kind of occupy the castle salazar taunts you a little bit and pretty soon after that ashley is captured in one of the most hilariously designed hallways i mean it's essentially counting on you walking a little bit too far spikes come out they kind of drive you towards the wall hope that you end up going to this putting your back to the center of the wall where there are some very convenient metal bars that come out and imprison you yeah, <laughs> yeah. um it- Okay, here's what I'll say. Uh, I think in all three segments, um, or rather of all three segments, I think the first area uh, with the village, I feel like um, is sometimes a little ridiculous in that the houses have like boxes with single eggs and pesetas in them. Yeah. But it feels like a real village. Like it feels like a place. Yes. Um, I think the island at the end for what it's supposed to be I think it feels like a military, like it feels like it. This castle just feels like a ridiculous, like fun house, like fun house trap, like ridiculous B movie. Yeah. Like it's like a DuckTales episode. (laughs) Yeah. It really is. you're, You're totally right. I think that also lends to why I don't like it as much. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and the reason, the other reason I bring it up, not just because it's silly, but that sequence, it, it's relevant to one of the fanfics that I found. Oh, okay. Um, well, save it for later. But I'm yeah, sure. uh, so, I mean, it's just kind of where the fanfic starts out. Um, so yeah, at, at a certain point, uh, Salazar hijacks your your comm link with Hunnigan. At that point, you're ha- you're not really talking to her that much, uh, so who cares? Uh, you end up in the sewers, which has a kind of a cool enemy, uh, an invisible enemy where you can kind of hear them walking towards you. And, and depending on how the light hits them or like, I, I think maybe when they get close, they shimmer or like when they move a certain way, then you can finally see them. But they're largely invisible, which I think is really effective, um, especially if you give me a character in water uh, and I see an invisible, uh, there's an invisible creature that I can hear splashing in the water near me that I can't see. Um, the only other game I can think of that does that is Amnesia, The Dark Descent, and I'm fully on board. Uh, that sequence playing in, you know, at night with the lights off, volume up or headphones on is very effective. Yes. And again, it's that ramping up of, you know, we've seen you be able to uh, fight off these different Ganados. We've seen you be able to fight off, um, you know, cultists with like shields and different things. And now it's just ramping up one more layer. You know, you can hear the enemies. You can kind of get a glimpse of them, but you can't see them. You know, how will you, how will you do with that? Yeah. Um, again, I can't praise this game enough for the really elegant way it ramps up enemy design and kind of challenges your abilities 
Yeah. Speaking of, I'll, I guess I'll skip, just I'll jump to this one really quick. So you see it. Well, I guess I'll mention first, you run into Ada again, uh, this time you actually run into her and you have a dialogue um, and a kind of cool cut scene. Um, you don't really get any information out of her. Um, I forget if this is where he says he suspects her working for Wesker or no, no, wait, I can't remember now. I just had it, but yeah, I mean, kind of all the encounters with Ada or, you know, she's supposed to be this like femme fatale and Leon's kind of an idiot and a yeah. dork and yeah. But yeah, another cool enemy design is the Garador, which is this like blind enemy that has these like Wolverine like claws uh, that it can charge at you at. And it, it, you know, it attacks sound. So, you, you know, usually there's like bells in the arena that you can shoot um, conveniently placed bells that they will charge at. And then you can shoot their backs. And um, it's one of those things. And I think this was maybe the first time in the game where there's an emphasis on where you have to hit an enemy. You can't just shoot them in the front. I mean, at this point you also encounter shielded enemies as well. And so that you kind of have to adapt to enemies that you can't just shoot as they're walking towards you. You have to maneuver around and find an opening. Yeah. And um, like, I think five, maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like five introduces like a dive maneuver. I think so. Um, to like quickly reorient yourself uh, to be able to do stuff like this. Um, here, you don't have that. Um, so you kind of have to be a lot more careful about how you're maneuvering to be able to shoot them in the back. Yeah. Um, pretty soon after that, um, Louise shows up and says he has something for you and is immediately uh, punched right through the, uh, the stomach or the heart by Sadler's tentacle. So he's dead yep. and he tells you he's not a cop. He was a researcher in a very rushed uh, death sequence where uh, Leon yells out, Lewis. Oh, Lewis. It's one of uh, two moments where Leon laments the death of a person he barely knows, um, presumably with uh, yelling out their name. And the other of which is one of my favorite moments of the entire game which I'll go into. Um, All right. Yeah. So uh, Ashley's captured again. I forgot to mention at this point, you find Ashley again, there's like a sequence where you control her and help have her avoid some enemies uh, and then you reunite. Um, and yeah, you get to a point where Salazar sends his right hand, his like bodyguard after you. And Leon has this dumbass line, like your right hand comes off. <laughs> um so stupid so 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 stupid so stupid and and it's like a lot of these exchanges as you said are through like the comm system which is where he previously had been talking to hunnigan so it's not even like you're getting this really dramatic like camera work yeah it's just kind of both of their character models just staring into the blank emptiness of nothing uh and delivering some of these like ridiculous (laughs) lines yeah um so yeah, yeah this, is, this is an interesting boss fight, I guess, really quick. I mean, you have the option to to fight it uh, and get some money as a reward um, and, and also a treasure, um, or you can avoid it um, and kind of bide your time until the elevator pops up uh, or like, starts working and then you can kind of escape. I The first time I played the game, I did not fight it, but every time after that I have because I think it's a very fun fight. Um, I'm a little baby boy, um, so I I don't think I've ever fought it. It's, it's fun to fight and the it gives you a treasure that you can combine with another treasure that gives you quite a lot of money. Like maybe like 
forty thousand gold or whatever the money is there. Um, and we should say money is actually kind of pretty important. It is. Um, very carefully have to choose how to spend it. I almost never, ever, ever spend it on anything except weapons and weapon upgrades. I don't right. think I ever buy grenades or ammo um, or first aid kits, you know. Uh, but yeah, but you got to use it very carefully. Um, so yeah, I, I, this is a very effective like horror sequence slash bo- uh, mini boss fight. I enjoy it very much. I would argue it's probably the hardest fight in the game. Uh, and that's not saying much because I don't think the fights are terribly difficult uh at least not on on normal mode um but yeah so leon explores sort of the castle underground these sewers this lava area with two trolls uh this cave area this silly minecart sequence uh where he has to jump an impossible impossible distance out of a minecart to like the yeah. edge of a cliff or something it's fucking ridiculous yeah it's definitely got um like castlevania castle syndrome where yes. it's like every possible biome must be somehow incorporated into this massive castle yes um yeah it's very a ridiculous um but uh eventually you find salazar uh and you talk calmly about your problems yeah and decide to go separate ways yeah you you fight salazar which is i should mention that earlier in the game you or if you if you choose to get it it's pretty obvious where it is it's not hard to get in the castle there is a rocket launcher which is a one-use item that insta kills bosses um if you use it at the right time and i actually don't love this why not and i don't love I just don't, I like getting the Salazar boss fight over with so I can get to the the island. And I think almost every time I play this game, I use that rocket launcher on Salazar and kill him in one hit. I probably haven't fought Salazar for real in, I don't know, maybe like five playthroughs. Yeah, I feel like by this time, Salazar has kind of overstayed his welcome um his like steez is kind of run dry um yeah and yeah like you said like i'm just ready to get to the next part of a game uh which you know having played it before i know is you know this island uh but if this game was new to you like at this point even if the game was brand new i'd be like okay like i'm kind of done with this yeah I, I felt like it was a little bit of a tricky boss fight when i you know earlier on when i was playing the game um but when it came out, but yeah, no, I just, I, I mean, Salazar is a character. He sure is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you get on this boat with Ada and take it to an Island where there is a research facility and a kind of like a giant military or Las Plagas infected military compound. This is kind of like Sadler's base of operations. His yeah. But also like there's ruins on the Island and it's like, what is this it's, exactly? It's, like, yeah. It, you, it's interesting because there's talk earlier again about how the Plagas is kind of underneath the castle, uh, like sealed away underneath the castle, but yet it does feel like the presence of the ruins here suggests that maybe this is like an extended presence of where the Plagas was. And so maybe they're excavating it. But then again, like the cells are sealed it up. I, I, it's not very clear. Um, and then again, it might be explained in notes that I was not reading carefully. I mean, it just looks cool. Yeah, it yeah. does. It's one of those like biome things. Got to have the ruins. They're really trying to touch on all the Donkey Kong areas. Yeah, they kind of are. <laughs> uh, also from having played uh, quite a bit of Monster Hunter lately, uh, a lot of Monster Hunter. Interesting. I well, When I play that game, I'll be able to share in your revelation. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I would say the first really notable thing that happens in this third act, this, this island act, is the research facility where you find my favorite enemy in the game, the Regenerators and the Iron Maidens, uh, which are, Iron Maidens kind of a variant on the Regenerators, which the whole research facility sequence where you are trying to get like a thermal scope so you can see the parasites yeah. underneath the enemies to shoot yeah. them and kill them. They're breathing the way they breathe. I, I was going to attempt to mimic it on this podcast, but I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> um, yeah, Super they're effective. They're great. And then when you finally do find the scope to be able to uh, target them, um, the fun enemies to take down. Very fun. Uh, just great overall. The whole research facility is, is one of those situations, like unlike the castle, which is claustrophobic and kind of annoying at times, this is claustrophobic in a way that works really well. The lights are dim or off. Yeah, almost um, kind of like alien vibes. Yeah, like abandoned, yeah. like a uh, spaceship, like dark. You hear like breathing or noises. In this case, very like heavy, like dis- disgusting sounding breathing. Um, and then, you know, I, I many times have I turned a corner and ran right into one of these enemies and f- not realized where it was, yeah. uh, which is a good, it's one of those enemies that I don't care if I die to because it's fun. It's cool death sequences and just a really great great enemy well and they don't feel cheap yeah they don't yeah um even the iron maidens which are kind of a version of these that have spikes on them and they will kind of grab you and pull them into you or pull them pull you into them and impale you on like a thousand spikes yeah yeah um we can kind of fly through a lot of the rest of this i mean there's there's this kind of sequence where you're on a bulldozer uh fighting enemies as, as they're driving i think with ashley uh, and then you meet Krauser and, and uh, a character that the game so convincingly makes it seem like you should know already <laughs> as a Resident Evil fan. And I questioned my entire Resident Evil fandom uh, when I first played this game and you meet him and there's kind of this very long but pretty engaging QTE scene where they're, you're kind of di- you have this dialogue with him and you're kind of like knife fighting each other. Yeah, and I mean, we find out, like, Leon knows who he is right away. We find out that he and Leon uh, know each other, and they had formerly uh, served together. Yes. Um, but the game just kind of throws him at us, like, it's Krauser, everyone. Yeah, right. Uh, and you're like, oh, it's okay, Krauser? Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny, because I feel like video games do this. Like, they introduce characters that your character knows that you don't. But and you just don't think anything of it. But for some reason, this game, the way they present it, you, I feel like, and I'm, I'm, we're not alone in this. That people are just like, who should I know who the hell this guy is? No, he just he kind of. I think what it is is he kind of has like, um, like a bearing to him, or like a swagger, or like something where it's like he is introduced as though we should think he's like hot shit, but he hasn't we haven't seen him do any hot shit stuff yet yeah he's a fun boss fight for the most part um yeah. yeah i guess so before we get to that boss fight um there's this kind of hallway that leon enters that has a laser trap basically the laser scene from the first resident resident evil movie by our buddy paul ws anderson yeah and friend that, of the podcast right <laughs> that has to be intentional i assume I, I, it had to have been. Yeah. Um, which is really silly for Capcom to reference a kind of, I would say failed, even though it might not have been a box office failure, like failed adaptation of their IP, but whatever. 
Well, I mean, a lot of, and this is a bit of a digression, but a lot of people would say that the reason the series kind of turned in this more ridiculous action-oriented direction was because of the films, because even though they were very critically panned, financially, they were wildly successful. Yes, that is true. And I would suspect that would be why. Um, So yeah, you end up kind of heading to these caves um, to fight this creature that Sadler calls it. Um, I, I, I don't want to, and I, there's really nothing, a whole lot to say about this. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's an effective sequence. It's not as terrifying as like the regenerator enemies, but you're kind of on these like three hanging cargo holds or something. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's kind of unclear. They're like hanging over a chasm and like this abyss and like they slowly drop and you have to kind of make your way, avoid this enemy and make your way out of them. Uh, and then fight the uh, fight this boss um, once you. Uh, it kind of it kind of reminds me. It's not really exactly the same, but uh, I think it's like the giant. It's like a bat uh, boss fight in Resident Evil Five, as you're like going down an elevator in the research facility. Oh yeah, you yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. Um. Then you know, won't say that much more about it. Not to diminish it. It's 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 a fun fun fight. Um, not to diminish it it Sadler calls it how to introduce you to it um so yes you encounter krauser in the ruins that every island has um and yeah you fight uh krauser who's very clearly been infected with plagas as if that wasn't he has like a like a wicked blade arm he has a blade arm and yeah, you take him down. Um, I don't know if, what, if you want to say anything particularly about this boss fight, other than the fact that you don't actually kill him. You're meant to think that you do. And then they kind of retcon that. And you find out that Ada actually kills him, which you do as Ada in the Separate Ways um, bonus game. Yeah, I have not played Separate Ways. Um, I have heard critical like consensus that people don't like it um, because it kind of does stuff like that where... Um, it'll like retcon stuff or explain things that kind of don't have to be explained. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I haven't played it. Um, so I don't know. It, it's okay. Um, there are most, I would say maybe 75% of it is meh and 25% is pretty great. And that 25% is, uh, up the part that introduces areas that are not in the original game. Most of it is re- going through areas that you've already been to is Leon, um, because it's kind of what what Ada's up to, um, but yeah, there's especially on the island there are sequences where Ada is in a whole new kind of area, so it feels fresh. It's like it's essentially just more game, but yeah, like you know, in um, you know, there's a sequence where you're kind of ri- you have to ring the church bell uh, at the beginning of the game, which is kind of you know whatever. Huh. Um, um, but next, uh, possibly the most important character in RE Canon. It's shows true. Up. Mike, the helicopter yeah. pilot. Mike, Mike, the helicopter pilot. I, I love it. He shows up and gives Leon some cover fire. There is actually, I mean, I, I shouldn't have mentioned that Leon has no sexual chemistry with anybody because he very much has sexual chemistry with Mike, who he seems it's to have so just <laughs> known for so long, I mean, he, when Mike shows up and it's not just the kind of like happy where like Leon is happy that he's finally got some like other people that he knows around. 
like Mike's like, I'll give you some backup. And Mike just starts mowing down Ganados with his. Yeah, yeah. And it's, he gets this like crazy undeserved badass entrance by, yeah. By mowing all these guys down. Spoiler alert. Mike is not long for this world. Yeah. Leon is devastated devastated but but it's like the krauser thing where it's like did i like black out for five minutes when (laughs) when like mike was part of this game like what what is this like yeah did they they cut scenes with mike but they left this unchanged like what is happening i would have loved if they had planted the seed earlier like hunnigan's just like hey uh just by the way mike's gonna pick you up at the extraction point he's like fuck yeah yeah mike that guy can drink anyone under the table well and literally that's all they would have to do for me to be like "Eh, okay yeah and then mike shows up i probably would have been happier yeah, um, but Mike, as it is, it's like, it's completely ridiculous. And it turns out Mike's also a really shitty helicopter pilot because uh, <laughs> he gets shot down by some random Ganado with a uh, with a rocket launcher. Yeah, I mean he he gets his entrance. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I don't know how Mike passed the field test um, to get to really be able to be allowed to go on, in on this. But anyway, I feel like he and Leon were like sixty nineing the entire time. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, so he dies, and you get Leon's cry of Mike, which is fantastic. And I think my favorite part about this character is the fact that his name is Mike, Mike. which is not a dramatic-sounding name to yell out. It's kind of a dumb name anyway. Here's, okay, here's... I'm not making fun of Mike's. It's just a silly name in this context. Like, you can have characters named Mike, and I'm fine with it, but this is just so dumb. Here's kind of an interesting question because uh, I was thinking about this too, which is if you're Leon, if you're a real human being, which makes more sense for him to care about the death of Luis or the death of Mike? Because Luis, he literally just met. Yes. They're comrades in arms. And yes, Luis helped him and is integral to like the entire uh, Las Plagas kind of plot. But other than that, Leon doesn't know him. On the other hand, we have Mike. Leon obviously knows. We don't know who the fuck Mike is. Um, so which which one is probably well, the more devastating loss? Mike, I buy it. I, uh, uh, yeah, no, he, I I think Mike too. Yeah, totally. And but the thing, just the way that he it makes him yelling out about Luis even funnier. Right, because again, it's like you just met him. Yeah, like yes, it's sad, but it's not like why god why take me instead right and like quippy, presumably mike is why god why take me instead right and, and and shitty quippy dialogue aside leon doesn't necessarily strike me as the type of character who would even just yell out in the middle of a castle about a friend he just lost he doesn't seem like that kind of guy he seems like he's uh, maybe on the shyer side i mean he, this is the guy though at the beginning of the game when the bell rings and they all leave he goes where's everyone going Bingo. <laughs> yeah. like he says a lot of really stupid things and I could see him, yeah, I, I, I could see him losing it over Luis and or Mike. True. And I guess that it's also the same guy who shamelessly flirts with Hunnigan and tells her that she would look better without glasses or something. It's yeah. Been- Speaking of zero sexual chemistry, um, after Sadler is defeated, uh, who takes the Las Plagas? Oh, that would be uh, Ada. And yeah, we should mention that there's, you know, you finally... Uh, you and actually make it to a room where you're able to use this machine to destroy the Plagas inside you. Um, and then you find out that Sadler has kidnapped Ada and Leon goes to fight and kill Sadler um, with aid from Ada who grabs a rocket launcher and throws it to you in separate ways. You get to play as Ada watching Leon and Sadler fight, which is actually kind of cool. 
um, and making her way throughout the scaffolding to get to the rocket launcher to throw to Leon. That's a cool sequence, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, so Leon, you know, defeats Sadler and Ada takes the sample. Um, I think she actually gets two samples and this is a little bit yeah. overlap from separate ways, but it's, I think she intends to give one to Wesker and intends to right. keep one for herself for some secret employer or some other employer that she has for who, uh, with whom she's cheating on Wesker. Who could it, who could it even be? Um, Try but this so. is, yeah, but this is kind of where, um, like a lot of, especially the more modern resident evil games, uh, at least the ones I've played. Yeah. Um, it's like you it kind of opens with its own thing has a really strong initial setup um and then there's like a middle chunk that's kind of like eh. um, i'm thinking of like the temple in re5 yeah like okay um and then at the end there's like a research facility um and then it kind of all ties back into like the series overarching story so like all this ada wong stuff doesn't get resolved in this game uh, but Las Plagas do carry over to Resident Evil 5, and so does yes. Wesker. Yep. Um, and so it, the series is kind of odd in that you could start RE4 being like, cool, it's like totally its own thing. Um, and then by the end, you're like, okay, this is very tied into the RE you know, mythos. Yeah. Same with 5, same with 7. I haven't played 6. Seven. Yeah, I haven't played 6. I imagine 6 is the same. I imagine 8 will do the same. I really, really, really just want this series to have a very hard reboot and reset i was hoping um, seven would be that but that's what i thought alas it was it's not. alas it's not um i think i think though the series needs to go there because again it's like the beginnings of these games are always the part i'm the most interested in and then i like the research part again because i know you're gonna get like crazy creatures and stuff but the actual like plot and overarching stuff with like tricell umbrella plagas t-cell yeah. g you know I just kind of my eyes glaze over and I'm like, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the game really ends with Ada giving them the keys to a wave runner to escape the Island that's collapsing uh, for some reason. And <laughs> um, as they kind of escape, Ashley propositions Leon for sex indirectly, uh, but not so indirectly. And Leon turns her down because he only has eyes for Mike and Hunnigan. Yeah, also just love the idea of them like riding the wave runner off into the sunset, but then in like an hour running out of gas and like, yeah, where are you off the coast of Spain? I guess, yeah. like, yeah, I, and Ashley's oddly calm about it, she's kind of horned up at that point, yeah. Um, but yeah, that is Resident Evil 4, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think for better or worse, this is very representative of uh, Resident Evil games, especially now kind of the modern mold of them absolutely um yeah so i mean it, we we talked on a lot of things we liked and didn't like well you know do you want to do like a tight uh five or less on what works and doesn't work in your eyes yeah i really i i could kind of boil it down to like one each i think what works is the actual gameplay uh i think the overhaul they did uh the the keeping kind of the tank controls uh but with a very slow considered tactical uh aiming system is great. Uh, I think that, as I've mentioned several times, the way they ramp up enemy and enemy designs and enemy encounters is sublime um, in terms of, you know, if you've gotten this far in the game and you've beaten these enemies previously, you should be ready for this. Um, It has an incredible pacing gameplay-wise. In terms of what doesn't work, uh, I think, you know, a lot of the story beats don't. 
Um, I think, did we mention the giant statue mech? Oh, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. Um, I, I think stuff like that, like I think the big silly craziness um, doesn't work very well. Um, I think the setup, like I said, in a lot of these games is much more intriguing and interesting than the ultimate payoff to them. Um, but that being said, uh, I would also throw in the initial setup and the initial atmosphere um, with something I think works. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said. And just, you know, for anyone who's curious who might not play the game, the, the, the sequence we're talking about is Leon is kind of navigating the moving arms of this giant Ramon Salazar uh, statue that eventually chases him for no reason at all. It just kind of comes to life and starts stopping after him. And it's, that's one of the most cuckoo bananas parts of the whole game. Yeah, it's, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, again, like the, the inventory system, the, the game mechanics, um, you know, kind of the first act and the third act are just fantastic. Even in, in, you know, I think the second act is the weakest, but even at the game's weakest, it's, it's so much fun to play that it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Um, I think that maybe just quality of life things like having to pause to switch your weapons is a little bit annoying. I wish that you could just kind of hit the control pad, like right or left to switch your weapon or, you know, maybe set a secondary weapon, just something like that to make it a little easier. Um, I, you know, I do think that kind of going back and forth can help raise the tension, trying to like make sure you pick the right gun and then get a shot off in time. But at other times it kind of does take away from the tension to have to you know, an enemy's lunging towards you and you get to pause the game to go into your inventory to pick something to, you know, it, it, it you lose a little bit, but not much. Um, yeah, and then I'd I guess say, QT, I'd say that's QTEs are the thing that I think is, you know, I could do without some of them. They're not egregious. Um, they don't saturate the game with them the way the other games do, yeah. um, but they, they can be kind of annoying. Yeah. So... And a movie uh, already exists of Resident Evil, not of this game. Um, but did you put it, give it any thought to how you would cast the movie version of this particular game? Uh, I did, yeah. So uh, I think Leon, I think um, one of the Hemsworth boys uh, would be good. Leon Kennedy. <laughs> I, I Leon Kennedy. said Chris Hemsworth in my Yeah, name. right? Yeah. Not bad, yeah, not bad. I, I agree. Um, uh, Salazar? Um, I mean, that was really the only inspired choice I had. Um, Salazar, would you get an actual kid or would you do like a weird CGI puppet? Um, I, so I didn't have a kid in mind. I was trying to come up with one right before we started recording, but I would 100% pick a kid and it, it would have to be the most annoying kid possible. And I'd put them in, I honestly would put them in purposefully bad looking prosthetics, like shitty eighties movie prosthetics. I do like that here. I mean, here's the real question though. Who is playing Mike? I mean, I don't think that like Bradley Cooper could fit this into his schedule um, or like, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio, some of the heavy hitters. Cause I think you really need that kind of actor in this role. So if you what can't, a, if, yeah. if you what's can't a, get them like Al Pacino, maybe <laughs> what's uh what's Sir Ben Kingsley up to these days? Oh my gosh, probably nothing. And probably. I think this might be the perfect role for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have a dream director? Um, you know, I think, and maybe this is just me hyping and trying to get my hopes up. There's the director, Jordan Voigt Roberts. I might, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Who is a very, 
avid gamer and self-proclaimed like you know, just gamer and anime lover who directed um, you know, Kong Skull Island and the indie movie Kings of Summer. He was tapped originally to write and direct, co-write and direct the Metal Gear Solid, or maybe just direct the Metal Gear Solid adaptation, which is it's starting to be started to move forward. He was meeting with Kojima frequently. Um, and then I don't know if that got shelved. I mean, it's a very difficult movie to make, but it's the kind of director where I've been following him on Twitter and I really kind of feel his passion for games in a way that I don't think any other director has convinced me of. And so I kind of would trust him to do it. I don't think he is like the world's greatest director by any means, but I think he's very capable. And I think he would get the tone of this movie or of this game and he could emulate it well on screen. Uh, was he actually meeting with Kojima or was it all simulation? I was stalking them both on Twitter when they were at, like in Tokyo together meeting and talking about the movie. And I just... But yeah, I mean, fun fact, he's actually going to be directing a Gundam movie for Netflix. So. Huh. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Wes Anderson. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see like a, a Rushmore-esque take on Salazar. Um, I, I want <laughs> Wes Anderson's Resident Evil 4. I, I mean, I would never turn it down. Uh, <laughs> I would w- definitely watch it. It's certainly, if you care about, if you have a, a deep love for this movie and want to see it a movie that's true to this game that's not what you'd want uh but if you just don't give a shit uh but you still love the game uh Wes Anderson would be perfect how about this Owen Wilson is Leon Kennedy I I'm in and I think that you should make Luke Wilson Sadler which doesn't work at all because they both sound alike and look alike uh but who cares at that point right yeah uh, all right, fan fiction corner, uh, everyone's favorite time. Uh, I have to say, uh, this game disappointed me um, in terms of fan fiction. Uh, I found a lot. Uh, a lot of it is very boring. Yes, um, I, I skipped over a lot of stuff that was boring. I, I wasn't even going to mention it. Yeah, like there's a lot of stuff where you're like, okay, I don't know why you chose to write this. There's a full novelization uh, it's just called Resident Evil for the novelization. Yeah. It's over, it's 24 chapters. It is over 100,000 words. Um, and it's actually competently written. Hmm. Um, so I like skipped around. I did not by any means read like an entire chapter, um, but I skipped around to like random chapters here and there. Um, and it's, it's competent. Like it's, it's not great. Like it is the game, yeah. but the, the writing, the descriptions are okay. I do want to give credit uh, to the author. Again, it's called Resident Evil 4, colon, the novelization uh, by L. Lore, L-O-I-R-E. They're like a decent writer. um, And it just makes me really sad. This is what they're (laughs) wasting their life on. Hmm. Um, But even like the chapter titles are kind of like snappy. Um, Chapter 16, The Transcendent Lord. (laughs) Um, Chapter 22, Going Plaga. (laughs) <laughs> um like not bad like chapter four sanctuary of hell i'm gaga um, from puffs yeah like it's it's i i wish i want to find i want to reach into the computer and find this person and be like please write your own novel don't do yeah. the novelization find some before. way to put sonic the hedgehog lore into this i couldn't find it uh <laughs> the crossover energy on this one was very bad I found yeah. one that was a crossover with uh, X-Men where like Domino takes on the Ada Wong kind of role. 
Which is, is it though? Because like she, like Domino's like an Ada Wong-esque figure. It just, um, I, I guess it doesn't, to me, it doesn't add much to have that kind of crossover. No. It's not, it's not very, you're not thinking outside the box if you're doing that crossover. Yeah. A lot of it is like waifu stuff um, with like Leon yeah. fucking various uh, I characters. Saw some of that. Yeah. It's like, I have to say of, you know, we've been doing this for a little while now. Um, this is the weakest by fan fiction, which is so well, weird because, uh, well, I know you found something. Well, yeah, um, I want to, I want to, I mean, maybe I, I, I it, it's probably still going to be the weakest, uh, but I, I think you'll enjoy what I found. Yeah. I just, before we jump to it, I just want to say, I think it's very baffling, uh, that this franchise has such like limp uninspired fan fiction when the games themselves are so fucking off the wall. <laughs> like, it just seems very weird to me that like, in this world where you have like Salazar stone mechs and like, you know, blade armed, you know, Krausers, yeah. uh, we, all we can get is like Leon with his waifus. Yeah. Go on. So what I found is called Resident Evil four, the Plagas Queens. Ooh. Um, it starts with Ashley in those metal bars, that metal bar trap that she fell into in the castle. So Leon's not there. And, to some some background because it was very confusing at, at first. I mean, they do explain it right off the bat, but it's still it's still weird. So this fan fiction assumes that the Plagas, depending on what kind of like variant of Las Plagas you're injected with, you take your body will take on characteristics of that Plaga. So mm-hmm. Mendez was like inflect, infected with a particular type of Plaga that makes you grow taller mm-hmm. and become like jacked. Uh, Ashley, you find out, was injected with a Plaga Queen who is just fat. And so there's an, an absurd amount of time spent in this story talking about how fat Ashley is getting. There is, and it's, it's a, I wouldn't call it pornographic, but there is way too much time spent talking about, like revisiting the fact that she's getting fat. I can't tell you how many times I read the phrase fattened breasts and hips or just fattened something. <sighs> and so basically it's just Ashley getting like more and more like morbidly obese. And it, and it starts right away. Like she's just, she's um, it's like her sweater had become increasingly less fitting ever since she was injected with whatever the stupid cult had shot into her. The formerly loose garment could now barely reach to her waist. Her navel pressed harshly into the constraining restraints, which were obviously not intended to hold someone of her size. And she was still growing just and it's it, That's the th- fourth paragraph of the entire story. And she just keeps getting fatter and fatter and fatter. And she runs into Ada and Ada rescues her. And apparently Ada has also been infected with the Plagas queen. And so it's just both of them running around getting fatter together. And, <laughs> uh, and so the best parts about this, I mean, the best and worst, because it's, there's some not so savory parts, but there's a lot of fat shaming Ada give like the, in it, like of Ada to Ashley before Ada starts bulking up a little bit. They when when they're when the narrator is talking about Ada, they refer to her as the Asian woman, which is just unnecessary. Um, but again, there's a lot of talk about how her jiggling stomach fat. Um, it's just it, it's it's wonderful. Uh, I, I have a couple of ones. So here's a paragraph. Uh, this is um, the she at the beginning of this paragraph refers to Ada. She stepped back and looked over Ashley. 
Her thickened thighs met in the middle and no doubt were the beginning to t- were beginning to tire of their newfound relationship. Her belly oh, was hard, hard to God. ignore as it swayed and bounced while the girl examined herself and her fattened breasts sat, com- sat comfortably Swayed. on top of it. Even her face had become considerably plumper than the girl she remembered Krauser dragging in. She smiled at Ada, her chubby cheeks giving her a look of innocence that must, must complement those white panties a lot better than when they were weren't as tight as a thong she must be almost 300 pounds by now and she put on the last 30 saving ada's life it's and then there's another one later about you know uh splaying stomach bare feet waggling uselessly it's just there's so much detail given to that like just body parts it it's is like the the word swaying is so disturbing to me it, because it, like it really how is big issue where like she she sways like the swell of the sea like on her own like, and I'm, mass. I'm not selling this well enough it's it's hilarious that like it, it's like this author is almost of two minds they're trying to tell a serious it's like they, they set out trying to tell this serious story yeah, this, this is my this is what I think happened. They sat down being like, wouldn't it be cool if Ada came and saved Ashley? And, you know, maybe like they're both inflicted with Plagas and they could bond over it. And, and that author sat down to write that kind of, you know, fairly interesting story. And unbeknownst to them, they were also um, possessed by a kind of, or they have a split personality disorder where the other author is entirely focused on talking about fat body parts and 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 grotesque kind of erotic dialogue there's some like vaguely erotic dialogue like like hints of like of a sexual chemistry between ashley and ada and this person keeps taking over at random parts like every couple paragraphs but but that that author takes over and starts talking about fat i i like the idea that it's almost like um it's almost like in Westworld where like you just, you can't even see uh, any evidence that you could possibly be a host. <laughs> so like the, the writer can't even see like the, the two minds can't even see uh, what the other is writing. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's a, there's a, uh, the last thing I'll mention, like there's like a moment where Ashley. Um, so this is like a, not a bad written, you know, couple sentences. Slowly she, tr- uh, sorry, excuse me. Slowly she was able to pull one knee behind herself before getting to her feet with a huff. Ada patiently stood by the gate while Ashley meandered forwards, trying to capture the same movements that Ada had. Okay. What's the next sentence? She felt like a hippo trying to do a ballet. (laughs) (laughs) So why why isn't Leon or these guys getting fat? She asked. (laughs) No, things like that. It's just, it's something like they just keep, they can't decide what story they want to tell or whether they want to tell a story or talk about fat people. Uh, so I found one more, um, okay. and this is kind of a negative example, uh, in that, again, you have the series that's completely off the wall and here's the fan fiction. So, uh, it's called the other Graham, uh, in these fan fiction sites, um, you can kind of know what you're getting into by looking at some of the tags. Yeah. It's so like the categories, the tags, uh, this one, uh, it does have a warning and it's graphic depictions of violence. Um, and that's it. And the, the relationships, Leon Kennedy and Ada Wong. Okay. But here's the plot. Uh, it's just, what if instead of a girl named Ashley, uh, it was a boy named, I believe Mark uh, Clay. What if it was a boy named Clayton? That's it. 
<laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And so seeing that, I'm like, okay, so does Leon fuck the boy named Clayton? But no, the primary relationship is Leon and Ada. Clayton's just along for the ride, I guess. But there's no like, there's no like, there's graphic depictions of violence, but there's no like hanky panky. It's just what if Ashley was a boy named Clayton? That's it. This is this game is so off the wall. And the only thing that these people can manage is like, what if Ashley was Clayton? <laughs> like, that's it. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, they're, they're, they're Salazar mechs, and this is the best you can come up with? <laughs> what if Ashley was What Clayton? if Ashley was a boy named Clayton? <laughs> uh, oh All right. This has been just, yeah. I'm, dis- I'm disgusted. This has been wonderful. Um, yeah. So anyway, we we both like this game quite a lot. Just really, we're hoping for uh, some better fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like you know, does this world warrant fan fiction? I think so. Um, you know, I think there's this. The series is so big and crazy with so many characters. Like, absolutely, I think there should be a lot of Resident Evil fan fiction. I'm really sad that we get you know instead of something like you know, Sonic and Tidus from Final Fantasy X fucking Chris and like going on surfboard <laughs> adventures yeah. or whatever, you know, stuff we've seen before, we get, okay, but what if Ashley was a boy named Clayton? Um, <laughs> very, very uninspired. What, what would your fan fiction be? I, I think I just described it. Tidus uh, oh, and okay. Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gangbang Leon and they go on wild surf adventures uh, with zombies. Okay. Yeah. Mine would be uh, anything with Mike. I want I want oh. the, I want the Mike backstory. Oh, that's yeah, that's yeah, good. that's the one. I think uh, I think Mike is going to be uh, what Resident Evil Nine is about. I hope so. I mean, I hope that actually he ends up saving uh, Ethan's life in uh, Resident Evil Eight. Although, again, you know, while we're at it, Ethan, good name. Mike, bad name. Ethan, yeah, Ethan. Not good, not Mike always, bad. but just in, also in for some for some reason, Chris Good, Mike Bad. Even though they're both very short, generic names. Agreed. I don't know. I, I didn't make the rules. Uh, I can't even explain them. But it's just objectively true that Mike is a dumb name in this context in this video game. Agreed. Um, that's it for Resident Evil Four. Yeah. What are we talking um, about next week? Yeah. What are we talking about next week? Oh yes, we are doing the film Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I have never seen it. Um, I have never seen it either. It's a it's a cult classic. It went on to become a pretty wildly popular musical. Yeah, I um, think um, what's his name from Dexter starred in it. Uh, Michael C. Hall. I heard he was very good. Yeah, yeah. And then didn't um, uh, Doogie Howser wasn't he? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, that will be for next week. I have never seen it. Um, I've seen clips of it. Uh, my fiance Edgar uh, loves it. Um, so he may be a special guest star. Uh, yep. We'll see. Um, but what have you been playing or doing or watching this last week? Uh, I am, well, I, I actually like an hour before we started recording, I started finally playing The Binding of Isaac, which is a game that I wanted to play for a while uh, ever since I fell in love with Enter the Gungeon. Um, and so I will be playing that a lot. Uh, I, you know, video game wise, not a whole lot. Um, movie wise, I kind of went back and I, I, my fiance Miranda and I have been rewatching Mission Impossible movies, uh, which is fun. And oh man, what else? I, I don't know. Uh, I guess that's kind of it. How about you? 
Fair enough. Um, I have been very busy uh, with things, but I have been continuing uh, my journey into Monster Hunter. Um, so I am currently playing Monster Hunter Rise uh, on my Switch. I'm playing Monster Hunter uh, Stories on my 3DS um, and also jumping back into Monster Hunter 4 for 3DS. Um, I am finding I really, really, really love the series, um, especially Monster Hunter 4 uh, Ultimate for 3DS. Um, Much like Dark Souls 1, I tried playing it before and really bounced off it. And much like Dark Souls 1, I'm coming back to it um, kind of with a more critical eye um, in terms of like, why were these choices made? Why did the creators think they're good choices? I'm finding that a lot of those choices that used to frustrate me, I think now are really good choices. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I feel like it is a work of genius, but that is a conversation for another day. Perhaps. Yeah. I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on it. I also forgot yeah. to mention that I, uh, for like the anniversary of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, they put the movie back in theaters in Dolby Atmos. And I went and I saw that, uh, and just a fantastic, fantastic movie. I will never tire of it. And it was awesome seeing it in, not only in a theater, but in Dolby Atmos. Yeah. Um, so originally, um, uh, originally he was supposed to end up with knives. What do you think about that? Uh, would have been okay with that. Honestly, I think I'd be okay with any real way it ends. I mean, knives is too good for him. Uh, yeah, so him, is. he'd be really lucky to end up with her. All right. Are we done here? We're done here. 